Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to the Classroom 33 podcast. Pastor Dustin here with Steve Prudian. And uh, last week, we were talking about seeds and wheat and tares, and we were talking about all that good stuff. And this week, we're going to stay in the agricultural theme, and we are going to be talking about figs. Steve, how are you this week? I am doing well this week, and I thank God for it. Every day that I can say I'm well today, I can say that I am well in my soul, and today I'm well in my body. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Good to hear. Um, so let's start. What is a fig? Well, did you know that the fig is the oldest fruit and the first fruit mentioned in the Bible? Do you know where it's found, Dustin, its first reference? Its first reference, as far as I know, is uh, when Adam and Eve cover their shame with the leaves of the fig. That's exactly right, Genesis 3-7. A little bit of trivia, okay, but first talk about fig. When, when we think about a fig, if you look at them, they don't look so hot. Okay. Okay? They actually take on two different forms. They look better when they're fresh and they're plump, okay? okay? Because they have the really kind of a shape of a pear, but they're sweet and they're full of seeds, and they're very soft when they first come into season, which in Israel would have been like the first week of June. Okay. Okay? To give you respect for that. However, a fig is a very seedy uh, fruit. Okay? It is packed with all kinds of vitamins and minerals and antioxidants, and even it stores well in the, in the Middle East. Even today, they they dry them up and they store them so they can eat them throughout the winter, because it is a food of sustenance. Okay. But but in the garden, okay, it was actually um, a desirable fruit. Now we don't have any description of Adam and Eve telling us how good this particular fruit was. But they found another purpose for it. And you had mentioned that just a minute ago. And what was that purpose? Covering their shame. Do you know that a fig leaf is the perfect covering to cover their shame? Not before today. I had absolutely no idea. Well, what's interesting, the characteristic of, the, of a fig leaf, it's one of the largest leaves as far as a, a, a tree can grow. Okay. Okay. The average fig leaf will actually run about nine inches wide by eleven inches long, and it's in the shape of a hat. Very interesting. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Very interesting. The perfect size to cover what they decided they needed to cover. Yeah, and the question is is, is who told them that they were naked? Nobody told them. They realized they realized from eating the fruit. Now they were aware. They were aware. Now they were aware, and God knew by their very statement. He already knew what they did, but he knew by their very statement that they incriminated themselves. Yes. And then after they incriminated themselves, like all of us today, okay, we're not much different than them, what do we try to do? Make excuses. Make excuses. Blame okay. somebody else. Blame the snake, blame the woman. Okay. Just blame somebody else. Yes. Okay. Ultimately, what were they really doing? 
hiding. But who were they really blaming? Who are you saying they were blaming God? That's right. They were really blaming God himself. Uh, okay. And where, and where does denial begin? We're not talking about the river. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one flows south to north. Um, no, it starts with not giving your own responsibility for things and trying to give somebody else the blame. At this point in time, Dustin, I think we need to bring the people that are listening to this podcast into the story. Ooh, so if, like if, you, if you would open your Bible to um, Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9, and then verse 28, I think the people need to know the story so we can continue with the aspects to this podcast. So anytime you're ready, start reading. Okay. And this will be out of the NLT today. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came in again and again to see if there was any fruit on it, but he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it one more year, and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. And jumping up to 28, There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for you will see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God but you will be thrown out. It's quite a, quite a hefty ending to what seems to be a simple little parable about a fig tree. Well, now we have to really say, are we a fig tree? Are you and I a fig tree? No, I'm a fig tree. I'm a fig tree too. I'm a fig tree. Actually, you asked me this morning on a text message what uh, what the meaning of this parable was, and of course I know the the basic meaning, but it felt like I needed something a little bit more. Tell the people what you think the basic meaning is. All right, well, the basic meaning, is it's a warning. We need to repent. Don't wait to repent. Repent now. Turn from your sins. Turn to God. You don't know how long the gardener's going to keep the owner from cutting down the tree. We don't know. It could be tomorrow. It could be tomorrow that rapture happens. It could be tomorrow that you step out of your front door and a tree falls and lands on you in your yard. We don't know. Don't wait. Repent. Turn now. But I did find something interesting in my study. I found, and this is, take it as you will, of course, um, but St. Augustine of Hippo has something about the fig tree and about this specific passage. And he's saying that the fig tree is representative of the whole human race, of all of humanity, since the, pretty much since the 
uh, removal from the garden. Ever since the first sin, when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, he's saying, what he's saying is there's been three time frames. There's been the pre-law time frame, that's one year. You've got the law to Jesus, that's year number two. And then you've got this period of grace, which is year number three. And then the gardener says, give me one more year. I wonder what that year might be. Might that be the tribulation? Might that be the time when God's wrath is poured out? We don't know. In that case, we're looking at it symbolically. We could really twist things to make it mean a whole lot of different things. But it was just really interesting that uh, he was able to look at that and take the three years into a deeper meaning. Well, Dustin, that's very good, if you can last that long. If you can. If you can. But today, I'm sitting with you, okay, being the fig that I am today and being the fig that you are today. Yes. The reality is, is the fig is the fruit of the fig tree. Yes. Okay. Now, Jesus became a little upset in Matthew 21, he looked from afar, because fig, fig, fig trees grow pretty tall. They're, they put themselves out there. They have a lot of branches, and they have very big leaves. Mm-hmm. Okay? So Jesus, from afar, had the desire that he wanted to taste a sweet fig. When he got up to where the fig tree was, can you imagine this fig tree, okay, planted by God himself, did not have fruit. And Jesus was disappointed. And Jesus did something that was out of character with who we know Jesus is. He cursed the fig tree. He cursed something that was living that had obviously from a distance very good foliage or very good leaves. Mm -hmm. But this fig tree disappointed Jesus because he lacked lacked the fruit. Now, Now we have to go into a little agricultural lesson to understand why Jesus wasn't being acting irrational when he cursed this fig tree. Okay. The reality is, is, is most people don't know that when a fig tree has leaves, the leaves are the byproduct of the blossom. Okay. Most, most trees, you have to have a leaf before you see a blossom. Right. But with a fig tree, of the blossom will actually come out on the stem or the new wood growth from the previous year. And from hmm. that from that blossom, okay, you would get the fruit. Right, okay. Okay? Because if you understand about how you get fruit, you have to have a blossom first before you could get the fruit. The fruit comes from the flower, yep. And what happens is the indicator, the indicator that this tree was a fruit-bearing tree, a fig tree in particular, is, is, is that it would have a 
plumage or a plumage, okay, or a vast covering of leaves, okay, is the indicator. It's almost like the sign, okay, I'm ready, come pick me. <laughs> okay. Now, when Jesus saw those leaves with anticipation, he approached that fig tree wanting to satisfy his appetite. But when he couldn't, it was like going to a restaurant that's supposed to be open that says closed. Right. How happy are you? Not very. No, because why? Because I'm hungry. And? And I'm expecting. And expecting, exactly right. But in this particular case, Jesus had cursed this fig tree. But then in Luke 21, verses 29 to 31, he takes it a step further to tell us the reason. Would you like to read that? Luke 21, 29 through actually 32. 29 through 32. 29, Luke 21, verses 29 through 32. Okay. Then he gave them this illustration. Notice the fig tree, or any other tree. When the leaves come out, you know without being told that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things have taken place. And what do you think Jesus is telling us to look for? What was his, what was his example or symbol? The fig tree. The fig tree. Right. But he decided to take it and turn it into a prophetic message. Yep. And the prophetic message is what? What did he just say? He In just the, said, when you see these things come to pass, a change of season is going to happen. And what season did he say that was? Summer. Summer. Okay. And what follows summer? Fall. And? Winter. Winter. Is he not saying, be prepared? He is absolutely saying, be prepared. I mean, that that passage comes at the end of him telling the disciples all these signs to look for, the ones that we know, you know, the wars, the rumor of wars, um, famine, pestilence, all these different things are going to happen, and the world is going to start to deteriorate. Did you realize that Jesus actually equates himself with that fig tree? I don't know that I would have pulled that out. Because what is the end of what Jesus is talking about? What is he really talking about? What is the end result? The end result is tribulation. The end result is really the kingdom of God yep. that's coming. And Jesus is considered the first fruit. Yes. And so, gotcha. so Jesus now is a fig tree. But shortly in season, these things will come to pass where you will get to see Jesus is fruit. Yes, absolutely. I do have a question. Yes. And I doubt you have an answer to it, but I'm going to ask the question anyways because okay. maybe the listeners can come up with an answer on their own. 
and I will certainly look for it. You saying Jesus is the first fruit. He's comparing himself to the fig. Where does the fig bear fruit in season in relation to the other fruit trees? Well, I don't know about the other fruit trees that are in Israel at that point in time. Right. Okay. I do know what they grow now, but I do not know what they were growing in the time of Jesus. We do know of one other fruit, two other fruits. Two others, the two grapes and olives. An olive is not considered a fruit. Okay. I believe it's considered a vegetable. I could be wrong. It has a seed. It comes from a tree. It comes so from I a tree. Kinda... Olive trees do have blossoms. Maybe it is a fruit. Never paid attention to it. I've watched it, seen it, but never <laughs> never thought about, is that a fruit? I always consider more of a vegetable. Okay. Okay? But anyway, there's two fruits in the Bible that are mentioned, okay? Okay. One of the other oldest fruits in the Bible is the fruit of the vine. The grape. Which is the grape, okay? And mm -hmm. Jesus does a whole story about, I am the... The vine. And you are the... Branch. And what? If you're going to be a fruit... You have to be connected to me. Right, you have to be grafted. If you don't bear fruit, what happens? You're cut off and thrown into the fire. And what did he do to the fig tree that didn't bear fruit? He cursed it and it died. And they cut it off. And in the farmer's field, they were going to cut it off and throw it in the fire. Right. Okay? But there was something else that Jesus also said in Matthew that he said prior to what you read. In Matthew 21... 18 and 19, people were shocked. His disciples were shocked that he cursed this fig tree. Mm -hmm. It was living. It at least, at least gave shelter. Right. Okay? But yet, Jesus cursed it. Do you know what that fig tree was a symbol of? When Jesus was looking at this fig tree, he was also looking down the hill, and he could also see the temple. Yeah. And that is the clue. What was Jesus really cursing? The religion. Exactly. He was, he was really cursing, okay, the religion that lacked love. Mm -hmm. And the love represented the fruit that the fig tree should have had but didn't have. Right. So the moral to the story is if you're a fig and I'm a fig— what is required of us? To bear fruit. To bear fruit, but we are the fruit. But is what is required of our fruit? To come in season. Uh, what's, requi <laughs> what's required of our fruit, okay, is that we take on the characteristics that are desirable for wanting to eat the fig or the fruit. And Jesus says... The most desirable characteristic that creates desire is love. Yes. So, you should know that as a fig created by the Lord Jesus himself, his requirement is, is that we be desirable, we be delectable, and in order to be able to do that, we have to be lovable. I can go along with that. Do you know that in Jeremiah 24, 1 through 7, Jeremiah talks about the fig? Yeah. 
Would yeah. you would you expect knowing Jeremiah's ministry and the circumstances that he would talk about what God desires, okay, from his people, even in life's worth circumstances, even in life's worst circumstances, mm -hmm. God has a desire for us, okay? Mm -hmm. Would you do me a favor and look at Jeremiah 24, and I'd like to have you read verses 1 through 7. You may never realize that this story has more to it than what you would think it does, but ultimately we have to look at what God's desire is for his people, even in adverse circumstances, which I would call being out of season. Not every day is a perfect day, even for a born-again believer. So go ahead. 1 through 7? Yeah, Jeremiah 24, 1 through 7. Okay, you're going to give me the hard names right after the beginning. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> the first one I'm good with. After King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon exiled Jehoiachin, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, to Babylon, along with the officials of Judah and all the craftsmen and artisans, the Lord gave me this vision. I saw two baskets of figs placed in front of the Lord's temple in Jerusalem. One basket was filled with fresh, ripe figs, while the other was filled with bad figs that were too rotten to eat. Then the Lord said to me, What do you see, Jeremiah? I replied, Figs, some very good and some very bad, too rotten to eat. Then the Lord gave me this message. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The good figs represent the exiles I sent from Judah to the land of the Babylonians. I will watch over them and care for them and I will bring them back here again. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them hearts that recognize me as the Lord. They will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me wholeheartedly. Do you want me to keep going? Did you finish? Well, that was one through seven. Okay, then that's enough. Okay. Okay. Even in your worst day. Even in your worst day. God is still with you. Amen. If you're a good fig. <laughs> if you're a good... Well, God is still with us in, when we're bad figs. He's... Well, yeah, look, at these are rotten figs that are I in this it. other basket. Do you know... Have you, you probably have never seen a rotten fig. But have you ever seen any kind of rotten fruit? Yes. Okay. What usually makes a fruit rot? Um, mold, bacteria. Exactly, exactly. Something that has killed it. Yep. And not only has it killed it, it's also infected it. Mm -hmm. And it's turned it from something desirable to something that's poisonous. It'll make you sick. Yep. Okay? But God's desire for us, no matter what season of life, no matter what our circumstances, that he will be our God and that he will be with us. But you have to determine that you want to be a healthy, good fig. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We do have control over that. That's all I have today, Dustin, is, is that sometimes we have to look at some three-letter words in the Bible and not just not say, that's not an important word. 
because every word that's in the Word of God has a meaning, has some importance, has some relevance. Every verse, every word has a purpose. And if you remember in your seminary, they would even tell you that the punctuation even has a meaning. Yes, it does. So the jot and the tittles, they matter. (laughs) (laughs) They do. And sometimes it's important to take all that stuff out and see see where it seems to come naturally. But that's a whole different discussion. We don't need to get into that today. All right. Do we have a preview for next week at all? Or are we, we going to we should be we should be done with this lesson this week and then we're going to go back into Job. Okay. I think it's lesson 10 or 11. I'll tell you exactly which one it is in a minute here. We'll just leave it at this. It's either 10 or 11, both of them are done. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Well, very good. Thank you Steve very much for coming in and uh, having a chat with me. No, it's my pleasure, Dustin. Okay, it's kind of enlightening. I used to spend many a day in seminary having these type of discussions. Didn't know what it was for, but I guess it it all does come to remembrance. Yes, it does. All right, you have a great week. Thank you. You have a good week, too. I'll see you on Sunday. See you Sunday.